And welcome back to the Michael Deacon program, reporting to you live and direct via YouTube and heard all around the world. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, this is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Now, no matter what it is that you do choose to believe, we certainly admire you for your curiosity. Joining me tonight is Dr. Paul Cottrell. He has drawn assignment, and I don't know anyone else who has been following COVID as intensely as Dr. Paul Cottrell. He's really been burning the midnight oil, no doubt. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing us into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Hello, friends and foes. I'm glad you've returned back for another dose of the Michael Deacon program, I see. I don't blame you. This show is better than a fatal accident. I'm quite addicted to the show myself, so you're not alone. Now, tonight we will be discussing a plethora of topics. You too can get involved. Give us your thoughts and opinions by dialing 424-666-2425. One more time, 424-666-2425. Can you hear the chopper? They're looking for me. Can you guys hear that? In real time. See, this is what I'm talking about. The naval facility is not far from my home. So I'm hearing this non-stop, by the way, boys and girls. There's no way... I can get rid of that. <laughs> now, without further ado, let's bring in Dr. Paul Cottrell, who is patiently waiting, and I'm sure he is ready to go. Uh, doctor, are you alive? I am alive. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry for alive. Yes, I'm sorry for the delay. The choppers were looking for me again. That's all right. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Um, so, my goodness, where the hell do we begin tonight? There, there's so much to cover here. It's my well, life. I mean, you know, it, it's up how, however you want to, you know, go with it. I mean, you know, there's the election issue, there's the vaccine issues that are going on, there's, you know, specific Moderna problems, there's the UK, there's a lot going on. Um, however you want, however you want it to start, it's fine with me. No doubt. Well, you are open to callers, I assume. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take right, calls well. and, and can answer the chat box. I even promoted um, on my channel the show, so hopefully some people on my, on my channel come over and say hello. Very nice. Well, hopefully they do call in, and uh, they're saying your audio is low, but don't worry. I'll pot you up there, and you should be fine. So, Paul, I'm glad you're here. We both survived the year. Uh, that, to me, is a victory in itself. Well, the year is not over yet. But uh, it's, it, it is a victory so far. Right. <laughs> no know? doubt. So, you know, I, I'll tell you, this year, man, it, it was something else. It, it still is. It still it still is. And, and like I said on my channel um, and your channel and others, but uh, this is not over. And this is going to go well into next year. And if the data uh, is... is um, is right with the UK with this with this mutation, right? And it it, it starts to do the pinballing that I was telling telling you about with the different receptors, not just the H two. Then this thing is going to go well into 2022. No doubt, that's what I also assume will be happening. And by the way, Paul, I have to ask you: you've been quite busy with your channel. You've been quite active. You are nonstop. 
it's like I don't even know how you sleep, Paul. Well, I do. I do sleep, but I, I, I do publish a lot, you know, and um, I just feel as though I have to. I just, I'm trying to like, I'm like a dog with a bone, you know. I'm just, right, I right. see a problem. I'm just, you know, keep on digging and digging and digging, you know, try to figure it all out. And it's pretty deep. Um, just the science behind it. Is, you know, to understand just the science behind this. But then you got the whole New World Order issue and the event 201 and the, the foreshadowing, the erosion of our civil liberties with the Biopatriot Act. So, the, yeah, I mean, I, I feel as though I'm, I, we have to. I mean, you have to just keep on polishing away or we may, we may be taken over. I mean, 9-11, the reason why 9-11, I think, happened was because we didn't have really the social networks that we have today. The Patriot Act was allowed to happen because we didn't, YouTube, people like you and I didn't have channels like this to jump right, right on, you know, the situation and say, hey, well, wait a minute, take a look at this, take a look at that. And, you know, it was only years later when we actually, in the, the truth or movement for 9-11 really, you know, blossomed. So um, here we're, we're in a situation where we have this technology in real time covering as they're trying to erode our civil liberties and, and, and do these things to us. That's what's much right. different between 9-11 and now. It's just that there, we're, we, we, can, we can comment and, and, and cover the news as citizen journalists in real time. Yeah, things have changed tremendously since 9-11. And of course, Paul, the reason why I was asking you that question, I, and I get asked this all the time, I was just curious if you are being constantly hounded like I am. I get emails from <sighs> listeners and most of the time, you know, they're, they're good, but there are lots of people out there who take great offense to um, everything I say here. And I'm not famous or anything, yet this show has caused numerous issues in my personal life. So mm -hmm. I'm just I'm just curious since you know yeah, you're out yeah. there so much. Has there been any sort of issues that stem from your channel, Paul? Oh, definitely. I mean, I almost got kicked out of medical school because of my channel. <laughs> no shit. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was the AMA, AMA, in, in the conduct you know conduct of a medical student, and you know they you know they said I had to tone it down. Um, this was when I you know was really going after Fauci and the news networks and even. Um, you know, some of the lawyers out there, you know, you know, not really stepping up to the plate and, and protecting our civil liberties. Really? Um, yeah. And then I almost got kicked out of, you know, kicked out of um, finishing my my master's master's thesis at Harvard. So someone so actually almost, you actually yes. got called into an office and they sat you down and said, um, Paul, we are aware of your YouTube activity. Can you tell us about that? Two separate institute, two wow. separate institutions. Did it. Harvard did it, and my medical school did it. That's pretty and wild for, di for different reasons. Different reasons. Harvard was complaining that you know that I that I was um, you know spouting off this this theory of the you know the man made bioweapon theory, right? You know, okay. and, and the connection to Harvard, and the, you know, the connection, you know, the, the, the connection to um, you know different professors across the country and. They didn't like hearing that. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, so from, from an academic standpoint, I've been, you know, I've been curtailed on certain things that I could say. I mentioned this a long time ago on my channel, and I, I you know, had many videos that are about, you know, that, that curtailment. But, yeah, I mean, they didn't like me saying certain things. Now, AMA focused more on my, you know, on my language, how I was, you know, how I was 
so aggressive. They didn't, they thought that that they didn't fit the, I don't know, the criteria of, you know, of a student physician. They got worried. Yeah. You know, so, but, wow. you know, so I have toned it down in terms of, you know, the type of vulgarity I use on my, on my channel, but I have not slowed down in, in the sense of proving that this was a bioweapon, that our, our similarities are being eroded and trying to inform the public on, on how, you know, how to get healthy. I mean, there, that, that I have not slowed down whatsoever. And on top of it, when the election issue started to happen, I, I've been working with uh, a couple people. One, one is uh, Chris Hunter, and he's kind of a IT guy, ex-military guy, but um, he's retired now, but he's out in California. And he's been collaborating with, uh, with George Webb and myself. And we were the first ones, the first ones, my channel. I was the first one to put the the actual uh, uh, IP address for Dominion's packet that was sent outside the United States and to Serbia, and I, I published that on my on my on my channel. We were the very first one. Chris was the one that found it, but Chris came on my on my channel and first he gave it to me gave me the information. And I made a short video and then we did a much longer in depth video. Uh, we collaborated together. And, and, and Chris, you know, explained, you know, the details behind it. But, um, yeah, I mean, so when we, when we hear these, these things like, oh, you know, that the, the government isn't, you know, putting, you know, putting a, um, a wool over your, your head and, you know, not doing, you know, doing these nefarious things. No, they are. They are. And there's proof positive. And I think my channel, you know, shows it. It tries to put, you know, shows, okay, it's not just, oh, well, there was a packet that went overseas, but we could actually we could actually tell you what, what we can even tell you what cloud, what cloud backbone they used. They used the Akamai cloud backbone. And then not only that, we could, we, we also showed, um, that there was, there was a portal to Hong Kong. Yeah. See, that's from, the, that's, from this, from Serbia. Right. And see, that's what concerns me, uh, for you, the stuff that you've been publishing. I think you might get terminated soon, Paul. Well, if I get, I mean, what, you mean my channel being terminated or me being terminated? Well, not you personally, or both. but just, well, <laughs> just your channel. Well, I mean, I, guess, I don't think it was going to kill you. Will my channel be, will, will my channel be terminated? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it not. Might. I mean, it does have a strike. I, I was advertising for Trey Cat Knight. Um, he was doing a web, a web conference with uh, Mike Vitz and some others. And I was just helping him out to try to, you know, promote, promote the, the conference. And they sh they put a strike on my larger channel for seven days, or I couldn't publish. And then the this this on the, that was on the larger channel. On the smaller channel, I did the same thing, and they put a strike on that. But that was the first strike, so I was able to still go live on the smaller channel. So I mean, I have means. I mean, I have three channels. You know, one's on Brighton, which it, that's never going to go down. And then and then you know that's my you know my safe harbor. And then I just but it doesn't have the it doesn't have the same level of viewership. Well, of course not. Right. You know, it's not so, there yet. Yeah. So and I have to go on other channels and, and spread the word too. But is my larger channel at risk? Yeah. But what's more important? I, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this for like <laughs> to, to grow a channel. My, no, of course my not. The point is, is that they, they inform the public on what's going on, especially with the loss of civil liberties and, and, and how this bioweapon could you know, was created and how it could harm you and, and what you can do to try to help yourself and your family. 
that's that's what the channel turned into. It's I think not everyone exactly why I made the channel. I yeah. started the channel, you know, it was just a document my thoughts, you know, as a, as a diary. No doubt, no doubt. I just think everyone's channel is sort of at risk, especially when we're talking mm-hmm. about stuff like what we're talking about now. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that it's not just talking about it. I mean, I actually have Google Drives that people can go to if they, you know, go to the right video and go to the link. They can download. They can download all the source documentation. Yeah, you sent me. my website, too. Yeah, you sent me lots of uh, documents that I've read and mm-hmm. I'm blown mm-hmm. away by that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just so, you know, it's, you know, people need to be engaged. It's not like we're just spouting off and saying, oh, this is what we think happened. No, I mean, there's, we can point to, we can point to source source information and say, hey, this is what actually happened. That's right. And and, and at that time, when when Chris and I were publishing, what Giuliani, I know you, you're a big fan of Giuliani. Oh, I love Giuliani, you know, yeah. You know, Giuliani was saying, uh, you know, it's, it's Venezuela and Cuba, you know, South America. No, what it was is it was, it, it was Serbia. You know, it had nothing to do with Venezuela. You know, and it, it, he was right. It was Dominion. And you know, Smartmatic was was involved. Scorecard is involved. A CIA program that was was developed in, in Hammer, it was spun off out of Hammer, that was developed in 2004 under you know under the Patriot Act. Um, and you know, um, so you know, th- th- there there's a lot there that people need to get involved in and understand that this election was was taken away from the ones that voted for Trump. And not only that, it was this, this thing was homegrown. This was a homegrown software um, um, system to throw elections overseas, and then it was used domestically. First of all, they should have never made made the software to begin with, even if you were going to overthrow elections overseas. But let alone be you know it, be operational domestically. Now, Paul, let me ask you this: Will you be voting again? Knowing what you know now, well, I, I think we need to need to still continue voting. But I think you're bringing up a very good point. We may be seeing the end of any real count for a general election, you know. And I don't know. I mean, it, we have to continue trying. You can't just like just put Give your up. arms, you know, well, put of course your arms not, up there yeah. and say I'm not going to do anything. I mean, that's not going to help. But What's what's what we need to do is just shine a light on what actually happened and, and try to prevent it. But I'm I'm afraid that what is really happened is the deep state has taken over and the will of the people. It's not the the government is not the will of the people. We the people. And it's 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 a it's a it's a government of special interests and very powerful figures that basically nullify our will. But that doesn't mean that we can't, we should still, we can, we should continue to try and fight this, this power. But you have a good point. I mean, it, we, if they did it, if they did it like this, so blazingly in, in, in front of us, and there's so much evidence of it. And the courts aren't willing to actually look at this and Congress isn't willing to actually rectify it. Then we probably have lost fair elections going forward. Well, but they, this probably will lead. Yeah. This probably will lead to, to to civil unrest. Well, Paul, to be honest with you, I've never been a big believer of democracy, even going way back. Well, I mean, we don't have a democracy; we have a constitutional republic. But I mean, but 
you know, the problem with democracy in its purest form is, is that it, the majority rules. And the, the idea is that, well, what happens when the majority is crazy and the minority is not? Well, that, there, there's, there's the fallacy of democracy. And, and our founding fathers saw, that, saw the, the weakness of democracy. That's why we have a constitutional republic where it's not just the will of the majority. It, there's also, even if the majority is in power, there's laws and protections of property that, that have to be held. Now, in terms of the electoral process, it's, you know, looking back on it, you know, looking at this data and knowing about Hammer and Scorecard and, and you know, the development of this right after, right after um, the Patriot Act, you know, it was really operation, I believe, in 2004, but um, under uh, Rumsfeld. But um, we probably haven't had a fair election since then. But the question is, is the degree of fairness. But what we really need to do is shine a light on what the process is and get the courts to actually pay attention. Unfortunately, the courts are captured. They're captured by, you know, the, the deep state, the, the, the powers that be that, and preventing us to really have fair elections. But what I mean, the only answer to this is either to deal with it in, as, as, a, as, a, as a, a country of law and order and that hold the people accountable for doing this or civil unrest has to ensue. And, and basically institutions that are taking away our civil liberties need to be burnt down. So, Paul, in other words, you don't believe Joe Biden is our president. Is that what you're telling I, me? I think Joe Biden, uh, Joe Biden did not win this election. Joe Biden, I don't believe, orchestrated the steal. But the the DNC and and the, I'll call it the DNC CCP and, and you know, the other deep state factions had an operation to make sure that Trump was not going to be reelected because he was anti-globalist and because he was an anti-globalist. They were, he, he was putting a monkey wrench in the, in the 21st century China plan. And, you know, he, his, his administration was almost guaranteeing that a 21st century China would not take place. And this is why I think the virus was released from the P4 lab, you know, early on, you know, early on, meaning like the first couple episodes on, on your show. Sure. You know, I didn't know exactly why they they did the 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 P4 leak. You know, exactly how. Was it accidental leak or was it on purpose and why if it was on purpose? And then I kept on thinking, well, maybe it was a CIA operation to pull down President Xi. But I think after months of, you know, thinking about this and seeing what happened um, economically and then hearing uh, Schwab um, and his Great Reset and the World Economic Forum, you know, push this this you know this agenda um, for Great Reset. It 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 gave me the thought, and I think rightly so, that the powers, including the CCP, decided to to release that virus on purpose to weaken the rest of the world because what Trump did in terms of tariffs and and not signing the TPP um, um, trade agreement with China weakened them so much. And as as businesses were leaving, corporations were leaving China and going to either lower cost centers or going back to the United States under a Trump administration, it was they were losing. China was losing. They were hemorrhaging their 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 export business. And because of that, 
they decided, well, instead of digging out of a hole and trying to catch back up, weaken everybody and have everybody's economic well-being at risk, and therefore it is normalized. It, it normalized to, to, to China's situation during during the Trump administration. So now what do we have? We have Trump being kicked out because of a, a stolen election, and we have we have huge economic hardship across the world, not just in the United States. But the point is, is that it's normalized to the hardship that Trump has put onto China. And it's all relative. When it comes to economics, it's about relative. It's, it's all relative to, to each other. And since we have now been normalized to the loss that China had under Trump's administration, we probably will start seeing the rebirth of the 21st century China policy. And you can see it almost from day one under President-elect Biden. He's pivoting towards Asia and rebooting these trade agreements. You know, I hate to admit this, but I'm actually very interested in what's going to happen next, even with uh, the big guy, Joe Biden, in the, in the chair. Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Very interesting. There's gonna be, I'll tell you what's going to happen. The, the Middle East, there's, they're going to find a reason to re-engage in the Middle East and, and cause more havoc in Syria and um, start pointing guns at Iran. Um, then what will happen is, is that we, they will let the Chinese take over the first island chains. They will not, they will not support Taiwan and Hong Kong. That's right. That, that will, that will also cause, um, consternation with, with Japan. Japan will start saying, Hey, I thought you were our ally and you're, you're backing off. So we may actually see a distancing with, with Japan and the United States. Also the distancing with, Korea and the United States, because Korea is also expecting that the United States would be, you know, there's this, there, there's this kind of ally force in the Pacific. Right. It's basically Australia, New Zealand, um, you know, the United States, Korea, South Korea, and, and Japan. And who's the enemy? China. So th that alliance may be starting to break down under Biden administration. I believe we're going to start losing hegemonic power in the Pacific. And and what will happen economically is, is that the jobs that we were gaining, especially in manufacturing in the United States under Trump, are going to be permanently lost. And that TPP will be signed and China will start to grow again economically and be that 21st century that was originally planned because Trump was never supposed to be in the White House. They tried to use scorecard and hammer dominion on Trump when he was running against Hillary. The problem was, is that the way the, the way the software was designed is, is that they, they only had, they, they, they could only flip about 3% of the votes. And he won by such a large margin that they had to rewrite the code to be able to flip the votes in a larger percentage for Biden, you know, for, for the 2020 election on top of, because of the, the, you know, the virus situation, there was a huge mail-in ballot uh, fiasco where hundreds of thousands of mail-in ballots cannot be certified, but yet they're still counted. So you know, we, want, we want legal votes counted, not illegal votes. Not every vote should be counted because not every vote is legal. And that's the problem that we had here. So Hillary Clinton was supposed to win and give a 21st century China. So scorecard score and hammer did not work under her. And that was the reason why she was flipping out during 
during um, the election night, you know, and she was throwing stuff in, in the in the suite and, you know, and yelling at people. And, you know, people were saying that she was telling them to, to fix the shit, you know, and, you know, and, and because she knew that the, that the scorecard was supposed to be used because they used it on Bernie during the primary when she was running in 2016. And they used it on Bernie in 2020. But the thing is, is Bernie doesn't have any balls to actually, you know, stand up and say, hey, you know, they did what they did to Trump was what they did to him. Because he's on the take. He's even worse because he knows it happened and he's willing to he's willing to put his tail between his legs and, you know, get a little bit of money on the side. Bernie can never catch a break, by the way. He's always getting buried somewhere. Uh, That's hilarious. You you know, you know, the thing is is that, you know, you know, the Bernie bros out there. You know, should actually be on the Trump side because what happened to their candidate exactly happened to Trump, and they used the exact same software, the same machines, and the the exact same algorithm. Well, Paul, let me ask you this now: Will we ever hold China responsible for what they have done under a Biden administration? No, never. Under a Trump administration, I think what would have happened is is that he would. I don't think Trump would have ever admitted that that the United States the virus. The genesis was at Fort Detrick. I don't think he would ever admit that. But, um, you know, in his in his rhetoric during the election, I mean, he kept on saying it's the China virus, China virus. Um, but holding them accountable I mean, on his on, from president's side, the only thing that they can do is either point guns at the country or, you know, cause barriers for trade. And I think Trump would have put much stronger barriers of, of trade against China for a second term. And I think that's what they did not want because that guarantee, again, guarantees the 21st century China doesn't, doesn't happen. That's one of the reasons why I think there won't be any sort of action taken by the U S no. because we have a hand in the virus as well. Right. Exactly. So exactly. we are um, screwed in yeah. other words. Yeah. And you can see that with the Steve Bannon show with his war room. You know, they keep on calling it the CCP virus. They never met, they never bring up that the genesis started in the United States. And it, it was Congress that actually, you know, had provisions in place that gain of function needed to no longer be conducted in the United States, could no longer continue. Well, what's the reason for that? It's, well, if you have, if you can't, if, if you're experimenting with gain of function, then the chances are that, that something could be accidentally released. Well, instead of listening to, you know, to the, the wisdom of, of the legislation, they see a loophole. The loophole is, well, just offshore and outsource it to another country that doesn't have those regulations. So that wasn't the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law was actually to stop the gain of function, not to, not to have your enemy design a weapon that could be used against you. I mean, that's just so fascinating that, that how that could even happen. And it just tells you right there is, when, when you look at it at the, mo- the mosaic of the money that's flowing in to politics from the CCP, the, the money that's flowing into the universities from the CCP, all right, you start to realize that the deep state, the creatures and all, all, all these terms that we use, a big component of, of that swamp, the swamp creatures are the, the, are the CCP actors. It's not just our CIA. It's not just the DNC, but so we have domestic and foreign actors that are part of the deep state or, you know, or what we call what we would call the deep state or what we would call the, you know, the swamp creatures. And that's why Trump 
is having such a hard time trying to, you know, drain a swamp because literally the swamp isn't a swamp. Literally it's an ocean. And I think the only way to get back to, to homeostasis for the country in, in, in the spirit of the founding fathers is to actually have a civil war. I don't think that there's any other way other than a civil war. So you're pushing for no a civil war. I don't think there's any other peaceful way other than to burn down the system and start over. I was just about to ask you, so you are pushing for a civil war. Yes. My goodness. Definitely. definitely. That's a hell of a... And the thing thing is, Michael, you know, my great-great-grandfather fought in the civil war. Well, that's a hell of a thing to say, though. Yeah, but, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, there are certain things that need need to... Take place when your when your institutions. Okay, remember what does the Constitution say? We the people. All right. When the when the government is not representing the people, we no longer have a a government of the people. We have tyranny. All right. Now it is obvious that the the Supreme Court and and not just the Supreme Court but the lower courts are captured and they're not listening to facts. They're not listen. They're not willing to listen to the affidavits. They're not willing to do the forensics on the Dominion machines. They're not willing to listen to the statisticians that say there is no possibility that you could have an eight hundred thousand flip without w- without fraud taking place in Pennsylvania. And these are you know so so you have a court system that's not willing to listen to the data. All right, you have Congress that's not li- willing to listen to the people. And you and now we have a a White House that is going to fast track extreme socialism, if not communism, in, in into this country. I mean, Biden is Biden has already mentioned the game plan. You know, this is a this is right out of 1984, right? I mean, it's right out of 1984. So when you don't have a government of the people by the people for the people, then I would have to, you know, go back to my ancestry <laughs> and, you know, and, and my great, great grandfather, his name was Harvey. So I'm going to go, you know, uh, grandfather Harvey, you know, what, what should we do? And he would go, well, we'd probably have to have a civil war, you know, because it, that's the, when, when the government isn't of the people, then you have to you have to tear down the, the, the this institutionalization that has sprouted up probably probably since right after World War II, you know, the CIA, you know, and, and these institutions take them down and then and then rebuild. But when I say go for a civil war, I don't mean have states break away from the Union, nor do I mean rewriting the Constitution. The Constitution needs to, to stay. The, the states need to stay. But the institutions literally have to be burnt down and rebuilt. Paul, what's that sound back there? Are you in a subway? No, it's actually my, my HVAC system. It's, it's the heating and cooling. Oh, shit. It's, it's uh, taking over the, the show here. My goodness. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, you know, I just, I, I, I don't see any other way around it. I, don't, I, I honestly don't. I mean, when you have a government that's not listening to the people, and not only that, steals the election. You know, I, I don't know what to do. What, what what I mean, what would you do? What do you think you should do? What are our options? Now, Paul, well, first we need to get rid of that sound. There we go. Oh, it's Is back. It Is it better? Uh, not at all. No, I don't know how to turn it off. It's like a, you're turning on a vacuum here for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't know how to turn it off. It's like goes on automatically. Oh, that's not good. Well, so you know, I don't yeah, know. What, what should we do? What should we do? Well, I don't see you walking around with a gun in your hand. That's what I'm. You know, that's what I'm visioning. Uh, that's what I have a visual of here. Or I'm trying well, to visualize one, that. Can one person institute a civil war? No. It has to be the will of the people. It has to be, a, you know, a galvanizing group of people that say, you know what? We, we are not going to go down this road of tyranny. I just have a hard time imagining you, Paul, going out there and fighting. I don't mean to offend you or anything. I'm just saying that's a it's a hard visual. Well, if there was enough, if there was enough people there. You're going to go mean, and, my, you're, I mean, my, you're gonna go and my, fight somebody? I, I mean, my, my, <laughs> Holy my shit. family history, my family history has fought in almost every major war in this country. I mean, I have a long history of people that have fought for this country in my family. I mean, it's in my DNA. I'm, you know, people may think I, I just don't talk and I'm just an academic, but I mean, I, I don't mind gore. I like blood. By the way, um, cheeky lady says whatever the sound isn't that distracting, so we're good. Don't worry. So yeah, know, we're fine. But, you know, but I, you know, but the thing is, is that the the the, the Great Civil War is is twofold. It starts with extreme extreme protesting. Where you know it's every day. It's almost like the yellow vest thing in the United States. And oh, that's right. You know, and you know, just constant, never-ending protesting against these these tyrannical laws that are going to be put in place, and and not just laws, but just the powers of of, of the certain things that Biden will be instituting during his presidency are going to be antithetical to the American worker. And also antithetical to the to, to the to the health of an American. So I mean, until so you got that one pillar where people are going to have to just protest and continue to protest on a daily basis, and in some cases violently. And then and then if the government continues not to listen, then then you know then it probably would have to mean something that's a little bit more forceful, where where it's actually. It, Instituting some of the things that Hamilton and wrote and, and, and Madison wrote in the Federalist Papers and exercise that Second Amendment, that it would have to be something that is, you know, almost revolutionary. Well, Paul, you know, it's it's the year 2020, almost 2021. You know, if, if people go and try to fight against the government, you know, in some sort of arms war, that's not going to end well for them. It's not going to if it's if it's 10 people. Ten people. Is it gonna be like Waco? If it's, if it's 100, yeah. If it's 100 people, it's a good. It's that's a good point that you're bringing up. I'll, I'll bring up uh, Timothy McVeigh first in a second. But but the thing is, is that um, there's a certain point where if enough people galvanize, then the legitimacy, quote the legitimacy of the of the, the revolt, is consummated. At ten, no. At a hundred, no. At ten thousand, no. But when you start getting into a couple million, it is legitimate. And that's where the thing is, is that, you know, is, are there going to be enough people that are w willing to rise up in a coordinated fashion and do a Tet Offensive across the country in a, in a, in a, um, in a decentralized way? I think if there was a Tet Offensive across the country that involved a few million people and certain institutions were attacked, then I think that the, the powers that be in the government would start saying that if they continue to escalate it, that, that probably D.C. would be burnt down. Well, there's a reason why I said this 
sort of a next couple months will be very entertaining for me uh, because <laughs> things of this nature might happen. So, you know, I will go ahead and have fun with it. I'll be I'll be right here sitting down watching it on uh, the news. No doubt. Well, you know, the thing is, is that you think that there's not a, I mean, there's the problem. This is how many people are willing to engage and actually fulfill, fulfill what the, what the founding fathers really meant in the Federalist Papers. I don't think that the, the, the I don't believe that the founding fathers want, wanted what is starting to creep up in the country. And it's obvious that the will of the people is not being listened to. And the will of the people is is actually being nullified. They're not even counting the counting the votes. So I mean, what I mean, what what do we do? You almost have to. You almost have to be engaged. But how many people are willing to get engaged? How many people have that revolutionary spirit? Yeah, how many people have the DNA for the revolutionary spirit? Yeah, I don't know how many There's people are going to be doing people that. People that have the DNA of the revolutionary spirit. Right. Yeah, I just don't see how many people will be willing to take that risk. Okay, so then, the, then, then, you know, then the mind experiment would only lead to one conclusion. In the final analysis, then 1984 is here to stay. You only have two options. It's 1984 or war. You don't have anything other. Than that. Again, that's a hell of a thing to say, but you know. I mean, what? I mean, what other thing? What? what, what you, you think that the, we're going to go back to, let's say, the 1980s? You know. We're going to go back to or the 1990s, you know, or not at know, all or the 1950s. That, you know? Well, that's the reason why I'm telling you there, there it's very hard to imagine that there would be a, a large group of people that would be willing to do something like this, especially in the year that we're in. And knowing what we all know the government has in their arsenal, it would not end well for you. I'm not sure if the, the military would actually be on the side of the government. That's assuming the military would be on the side of the government. I think that the military would be on the side of the government if it was small. But if it was large, I don't think the military would be on the side of the government. So that's the thing. It's it would, like, again, it's lot. very interesting to uh, speculate yeah. for sure. And I just, you know, I, and most likely, when you're talking about, you know, militarizing, if, 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 the, if the civilians started to militarize, most likely you're going to have individuals within the military that are on the side of the patriots. They would probably stand down. Or even better yet, point the guns to point the guns at the actual the, the actual enemy, which is not the Patriots, but the actual deep state. That's another concern. Well I wouldn't say it's a concern, but something I often wonder, especially with uh, Joe Biden being as likable as he is, I suspect he might even be possibly taken down. Well, I think what's going to take him down is his health. I don't think any. I don't think anyone's going to take him. You think he's just going to crawl like on his own? Yeah, I don't think. I think what, what will probably happen is he'll probably have a stroke. What if someone poisons him? It's going to it can. It can I think, happen. I mean, his head. It could happen. His health is. I mean, so world in, leaders in have been taken out that way before. So you you never know. Right. Right. I. You know. My. My gut feeling is is that it, it's going to be his health that takes him out. He's going to have a heart attack. It's going to have yeah, COVID. You know, yeah. No, I, I think it's probably going to be a, a stroke or, you know, some sort of, you know, dementia issue. I see. And then, and then you know, they go, okay, he's going to step down and Harris is in. Did my sarcasm. And I don't think he's going to be, and I honestly, I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he'll be president. And John Hogue, I think, I, I think, did you interview John Hogue already? Yeah, he was on. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, so did he mention 
what he thought about about um, uh, Biden. He talked about office. everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what he said on my show, I don't know if he said it on your show, but he said that he wasn't going to be president for very long. He was gonna, probably less than six hundred days, and then it was going to be Harris. Many say that. Yeah, I, I think that's going to happen. I truly, I really do believe that that's going to happen. Well, only time I mean, will he's tell. Not, he's mentally. You think like, he's nuts? I mean, you can see. Yeah. No, I don't think he's nuts. Or you just think, think he's think, mentally. I, I think he's he's got the early stages of dementia. Right. And it's probably exacerbated because of the aneurysms that he had and the surgeries that he had because of the aneurysms. Yeah, I think we talked about that very early on about Mr. Biden. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just he's the HVAC system just went off. So hopefully, it'll stay off. But but you know the the with Biden, I I think it'll be his his own his own health that'll Dual that be his demise. I see. And, but I, honestly, I think Harris, because of, you know, her being, you know, the first minority woman, you know, in office, she gets elected. There's going to be hubris. She's already on the take with the CCP. You know, on a couple of shows ago, we, you know, we were talking about how she, you know, she's a sellout, you know, and that, you know, her law firm and her husband, you know, had represented uh, key, key figures in this, in the communist party. So, you know, she's already on the take. Right. And uh, Paul, let me redivert your attention back to uh, COVID for a moment here. Has anyone in your family contracted the virus or friends? No, but my sister in San Antonio, Texas, um, was quarantined because of one of her coworkers had it. Mm, I see. Close call then. Yeah, no, she's all right. But she's actually a, um, a uh, surgical tech. So, you know, you know, she has to... She's not out know. of the clear yet then. No, no. But, you know... A lot of you know, a lot of these healthcare workers are getting it. I had a, I had, I had um, a subscriber. Her name was Nurse. Um, she's still recovering from you know from COVID. Really? Yeah, yeah. She, she gave me some new uh, new X-rays that they did. She must CT have been, scans and, and it's she's got the glass opacity, and it's it's. I see. Know, she must have been exposed. Been now. She she must have been exposed to a lot of the virus then, if she's still yeah. out. Interesting. And, and she had the Regeneron, but she didn't get, she, or I'm sorry, she, she didn't get the Regeneron, but she, she had the, um, the Remdesivir. So she was in the hospital for five days for, for, for the Remdesivir. But, um, what was interesting is she, it, she was able to get a hold of that, um, Ivermectin and she was prophylactically taking it. And she's okay so far. Well, she's still alive, but she still has the, the damage to the lung. Damn. Yeah, that sucks. So she's still having, you know, breathing issues. You know, has pulmonary problems. Yeah. This is the problem with this. This is for some people. This is going to be a chronic problem. Right. I'm glad you're saying that now. That's going to segue into uh, a lot of what I'm going to tell you right now. But, you know, I have multiple friends and family who have contracted the virus. And they all seem fine at the moment, as far as I can tell. But, of course, that doesn't really um, clear up what can later on happen to them. Yeah, but when, when they did get it, did they get treatment right away? I think only, well, I think only, I can only speak for one person, and I think they did. Yeah, see, with her, she couldn't get the, she couldn't get in and get the Regeneron until she became cyanotic. I see. See, what's happening is that people, there's a pro, people don't realize this, but you can't get hospitalized until you reach a certain level. They keep you out of the hospital until you reach a certain level. 
So, you know, and unfortunately, some people, you know, don't take, don't, don't see their physician right away to try to try to get to, to try to get the treatment right away. That's right. And not only that, you know, some places put some places will not give you the full treatment early on remdesivir until you, you, you have other types of clinical presentation. So you start turning blue like a smurf and then, then they'll say, okay, maybe you need remdesivir. Yes, which is, I think, the wrong way to do it. I think they, right away, once you, you test positive, you need to be on that corticosteroids and be given re- Regeneron right away. Yeah, these long-term effects that we're seeing, um, it's pretty much on par with those of the first responders to the Twin Towers back on 9-11. Many of them later on ended up with pulmonary diseases. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen mm-hmm. to lots of people out there who contracted COVID, whether you mm-hmm. were vaccinated or not. Mm-hmm. You know, with the with the nine eleven issue, it's the particulates. You know, the asbestos. Yeah. And then, you know, right. and then it, you know it causes cancers and and you know lung pulmonary problems, COPD, pulmonary obstructive disorders and stuff. How lovely, but right? But with this, with with this, it's similar. It's not. It's giving you the it, it, it'll it'll give you the COPD because it's blowing up your your air sacs permanently. But it's not due to particulates. It's it's due to you know it's 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 due to a viral particle that's you know that's basically destroying the type two cells. So it doesn't doesn't allow for regenerating healing of the air sac. And there and if it's not taken care of right away, then the infection rapidly starts killing killing off these cells. And literally, your 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 air your your lungs. Are becoming more compliant with air, but you can't, they're not useful because you need you need those air those air sacs to increase the the surface area so you have oxygen you know diffusion into in, into the into the um, the vascular system. So you know it, it's similar to nine eleven, but different. You know the actual mechanism of destruction is different. And by the way, Paul. Gonna ask you this question here. Um, what what's the story out there in NYC? Give us the four one one. Okay. Well, right now we have daily cases in New York in the range of twelve thousand, depending on the day. It goes from ten to twelve thousand. It's daily new cases. All right. Um, now deaths are around one hundred and forty per day. Now in comparison. Um, in the height of, of the first wave, um, uh, we had about 10 to 11,000. So we're, we're averaging a little bit higher now. Um, but we had deaths that were in, the, we were in a thousand or so a day, 800 to 1,200 a day in the first wave. Now we only have 140 or so, well, just under 140. So we're better off in terms of deaths, but we're, we're, we're worse actually per day in terms of new infections. That's new, right. New cases of COVID nineteen. Now the in terms of economics here, I mean, oh my God! I mean, the, the, Cuomo has already stated this was about a week ago or so, two weeks ago, that there's no indoor dining now. Well, you had so many restaurants that were hurting throughout the whole year, and the best they could get near the end of august beginning of september was 25 percent capacity so how do you run your business 
So you had lots of you had lots of businesses just closing in New York, and then you had the then you had the um, the Diners Association and the Restaurant Owner Diner Association actually ban Cuomo from actually dining in any of the restaurants <laughs> in New York. Wow! <laughs> so yeah, so they're, they're I mean they're, 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 these these business owners. You got to remember, I mean, it takes a lot of money to put you know to you know an, an effort to, to build a business, even if it's a restaurant. And they're literally on the ropes, you know, and they may lose their business because of, because of this stupid stuff that's going Restaurants go under all the time. Well, that's true. It's a very that's high true. percentage of failure rate. Right. You know, within, a, you know, within like the first, you know, three to five years. So it's you know. definitely not good for lots of business owners out there. They are right. devastated, no doubt. Right. Exactly. They're pissed so, off. You know, yeah. They're, they're mad. They're, they're. They're probably going to, at the end of the year, I think you, there's going to be a wave of bankruptcies. They're going to riot. They're, they're going to be with you right there in the front lines, uh, Paul, for the Civil well, War. They're going to be carrying well, a rifle. Well, at least we have, at least we have, you know, we procured at least food for the, the militia. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. And, and, and we get, we have enough steak knives to run around. But, you know, I just, New York is, New York's in a shithole. You know? I would have yeah, to imagine, yes. It is. It is, and you know, and there's the checkpoints on the on the um, on the bridges. You know, are you gonna? Well, you can't move out. I was gonna ask you if you can, but no, you're kind of stuck there, right? No, you're stuck. You're stuck everywhere. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, I gotta stay. You can't go anywhere. I mean, no, I, I, I mean, I, I, we don't have the case anymore. We, I mean, last time we talked, I mean, we had we had the COVID case that was in the building. But that's, that's right. Done. He's that, a, that's done. Do you know? Do you know if that person's still around? They didn't say. Oh shit! What if they died? Well, who knows? <laughs> but um, there's more vacancies going on. People are moving out of the city. Right. Um, That's true. You know, so there's and so you know rental properties and even you know um, you know condos and stuff. There's so much on 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 the you know that are that are vacant. That there's going to be probably a suppression of price. There's going to be a deflation of price. Um, I don't know. The city is dying. I think the city is dying. It's going to take a long, long time. To it's going to, be, have it's going to take a long time to go back mm-hmm. to any sort of normalcy. Mm-hmm. And so if you have all these businesses going out of business or, or, or having a lot of difficulty, they're not going to be able to pay the city and the, and the, the city and the state taxes. So the city and the state revenues are going to drastically go down. People are moving out of the state. So, you know, probably something very similar is going to happen with California. This is that they have so much debt because they were assuming that they would have the tax revenue to pay for the debt, that they are now to a point where people are moving out or the ones that are staying don't have the same income level and the properties are being going to be reassessed. Because there is going to be, you know, a, a, de- a deflation in the in the you know, home in the home prices that it, their debt, the state debt, is not sustainable. That there's going to be the bondholders of the of these of the state debt and the city debt, they're probably going to have to take a haircut. You might see bread lines out there, Paul. Well, and well, unfortunately, the the. Um, you know these nonprofits that are helping the, the needy. You know they're they have pantries that are you know basically you know seeing the increased lines in New York. So I mean that's happening. 
I mean, it's not like the 1920s, but I mean, let's say pre-COVID, uh, let's say they were seeing 100 you know, clients a day. You know, it's 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 probably double or triple that now. Right. And by the way, it seems like out here where I am, the death rates are climbing and the hospital added, you know, extended tents for extra COVID cases. Staff are already being overworked. Many of them are mentally broken from what I've heard. Um, well, I know yeah. a few nurses, by the way, out here. So they give me the 401 all the time. Uh, so I'm seeing a meteoric rise, uh, especially once we pass uh, Christmas time, I would say. I can see anyone in the healthcare industry getting very depressed in what they're seeing. Oh, yeah. You know, because they're seeing, they're seeing not only more cases, but more, you know, more deaths. You know, when you're, you know, from, let's say in New York, we're talking about 140, 140 deaths. Not the, and these healthcare workers had to deal with the first wave too. So, I mean, they saw a lot of deaths there. But let's just say they only saw the second wave of deaths. I mean, on your ward, I mean, seeing 20 people die a day, that's got to, that's got to affect you. Of course. You know, people don't really understand this. Like these, these doctors and nurses, I mean, they're, they're, they're seeing deaths at, at such a higher rate than normal that, you know, and there's not much they can do about it, unfortunately. Um, but not only that, it's also the, it's also the, the, the depressing state that individuals are, are at, at just at home because of their economic situation and, and being sheltered in place. Let's say they still have a job, but just being sheltered in place for so long, that causes, you know, depression. I think th this year doesn't feel joyous it feels weird right yeah no it does it's it, it, it I, I didn't feel joy you know during thanksgiving at all really you know normally that's a you know joyful you know time period but i didn't sure. feel any joy during that i don't feel any joy during you know the you know the the end of the year season did you at least talk to your parents or anything i did or family did. and anything okay so you did so you didn't go visit them thank luckily no okay no my, my parents are in michigan but oh um, you're far away never mind you know, but um, when I talked to my parents, my my mother just had a birthday, and when I when I called her, I mean, we were talking about the election, and she's even though she's a she's been a Republican for you know her whole life. Happy birthday to you know, mom, she, by the way. <laughs> so she, you know, she still, you know, she she listens to the, you know, she's elderly, right? She's in her seventies, so, so she's feisty. She, well, I don't know. She's yeah, a little bit, but, but the thing. Yeah, but but the thing is, is that she she doesn't listen to like our channels, you know, like the kind of like the truth or, or you know the the alternative news kind of channels. That's probably for a good, so it's good all reason. Me. Yeah, well, it's, but she's but the thing is, the point is, is that she's only listening to the mainstream. Oh, so I see. She's coming from the perspective. She's coming from the perspective that the election was not stolen because that's what the mainstream is saying, and so she thinks that Trump is just being a baby. And whining, and she literally has bought into the whole Smith Month modernization psyop that's been going on on the public. There, it, people don't realize that the election being stolen is is domestic propaganda to allow for the deep state to take control, and that modernization took place under you know to allow for domestic propaganda to, to be to, to be projected by the mainstream media. Under Obama, these are all facts. These are all things that passed in Congress. These aren't like innuendos or conspiracy theories or anything like that. These are facts, 
And if you really think about it, the term fake news, what that really is, is that it's a, it's a bumper sticker term for the Smith Modernization Act. And that, that it, it gave powers that the government could actually do domestic propaganda through the mainstream media. And it's, that's the reason why these anchors that, you know, it, it's so obvious when you and I watch these people, it's like, how could they, they really think that this is true? But they're, they're reading off of a teleprompter. But my mother, you know, she's, you know, from the old school that assumes that a news anchor is like Walter Cronkite, that it's someone that you can trust. Oh. You know, and it's like, and it's like in trying to talk to her, you know, to try to talk to her and, and say, hey, well, what about why did the pack go to Serbia? Why were there portals to China? For the record, why I don't it, trust any of them, by the way, Paul. Oh, don't trust what? The mainstream media? Anyone. Oh, well. But I have my own issues. I have trust issues, so automatically <laughs> I don't trust anybody. That's just the way I am. Yeah. I don't believe anybody. I, yeah. yeah you got to, you got to, you got to. Got to work with some sort of, you know. Base. It's a habit I've I've had for many years. I just can't shake it off. I just don't trust people in general. If you don't trust anybody, then how do you how do you know? No like, clue. For example, you have to trust that you're you know that you're that you had a mother. I don't even trust myself. Well, that's a different issue. But I mean, you had to trust that your mother. You know, you had to trust that you. That was a bit of a joke, but yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, but there's right. you know, but this, you know, <laughs> there's a base that you have to work. If you, if you if if you really take it to the purest to the purest extent, not trusting anything, you can't be you, you can't function. You have to trust certain things. You have to be able to trust that that when you put your shoes on in the morning, that you'll be able to walk outside. Or, you know, that when you get out of bed, that the floor won't fall. Well, I've determined know? those things to be true. That's for sure. Yeah. So, Luckily. Yeah. So, I mean, there's certain, there's certain axioms that have to be, you know. It's just, I, I just don't trust most humans because man is wolf to man, Paul, as you know. Yeah, but, I, yeah, but it. I know, right? It's a yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. You know, here's the, here's, I see your point, but I mean. Right. It, I, I. You have to trust certain people because sure, sure. I mean, you can't, you, you can't. No man is an island, so you have to, you have to have a group of people that that you're you're you associate with that have similar codes of conduct or similar cultural values. A small tribe then, of sorts, in other words, right, right, yes. right. And that's okay. how you survive. I hear you. Well, by the way, before we get too far out here. I did have a video clip of one Donald Trump. This was just earlier, by the way. This is in regards to the stimulus package. I thought we should um, play this before we get too far ahead of ourselves here, Paul. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Hopefully this works. Last time, uh, audio was not working, but I have confidence this time. Let's see. Hello, Americans. Oh, it's working. Today, I want to explain to you why I am so determined to pursue every legal and constitutional option available to stop the theft of the presidential election. As president, one of my most solemn duties is to protect the integrity of your sacred right to vote. This year, using the virus as a pretext, Democrat officials in the key swing states illegally violated their own state laws in order to enable, encourage, and facilitate fraud on a scale never before seen in the history of our country. The truth is, we won the election by a landslide. We won it big. Today, I'm going to give you the facts that every American needs to know. Let's go back to the night of the election. By midnight, we had a commanding lead in the swing states. 
We won Florida by a record number of votes. We won Ohio by a record number of votes. And likewise, we won Iowa by 8.2 percent, far different than the false narrative portrayed in the media. We were up by 293,000 votes in Michigan, 112,000 votes in Wisconsin, 356,000 votes in Georgia, and nearly 700,000 votes in Pennsylvania, all swing states. These numbers were absolutely impossible for Joe Biden to overcome, and the Democrats knew it, and everybody forecasting knew it and understood it well. Our nation's greatest political professionals were calling to congratulate me on our victory. Then suddenly everything started to disappear. Everything started to change. The vote counting abruptly stopped in multiple states. In the middle of the night, a series of massive and statistically inconceivable vote dumps overturned the results in state after state. At 6.31 a.m., very early in the morning, Michigan suddenly reported 147,224 votes, 94 percent for Biden, 6 percent for Trump. At 4.42 a.m., Wisconsin reported 143,279 votes, almost all of them for Biden. A similar massive drop of ballots happened in Georgia at 1.34 a.m. Again, almost all of these votes for Biden. These gigantic and ridiculously one-sided spikes were miraculously just enough to push Joe Biden into the lead in all of the key swing states. These glaring anomalies are just the tip of the iceberg. We won 18 of 19 bellwether counties, a record, that have correctly predicted the winner of every presidential election for the last 40 years. We also won Ohio, Florida, and Iowa by historic margins, meaning Biden would be the first candidate since 1960 and only the second candidate in American history to win the White House while losing all three of those major states. And it wasn't even close. With Joe Biden at the top of the ticket, the Democrats lost 25 out of 26 toss-up House seats. That's a record. Democrats were projected to gain 15 seats, and instead, because of my success and coattails, as they call them, they lost 14 seats. So think of that. They were going to win big, and they ended up losing big. My campaign received more votes than any president in history. Almost 75 million people voted for me. We earned approximately 12 million more votes than we got in 2016. The largest vote in... By the way, this was the extra long clip. The other one is much shorter, by the way, but this covers what basically we were talking about earlier, um, Paul, mm-hmm. as you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ...for an incumbent president ever recorded. I also received the largest share of non-white voters of any Republican in over 60 years. In fact, we did better with African-American and Hispanic voters everywhere in the country, except for a small handful of corrupt Democrat-run cities in key swing states, places notorious for fraud, such as Milwaukee, Detroit, Atlanta, and Philadelphia, all run by Democrat machine politicians. No president has ever lost re-election while making such extraordinary gains across the board. There's never been anything like it. Yet despite all of this evidence of a thundering Trump victory and all of those projections all through the night, 
They want us to believe that Joe Biden, who seldom left his basement to campaign, somehow received 11.7 million more votes than Barack Obama, and he beat Barack Obama all over the country. It is historically, mathematically, politically, and logically impossible. It did not happen. He did not win. We won by a landslide. Over the past seven weeks... All right, we'll switch over now, but what if Biden did win? What if it was a... He didn't. What if it was a miracle? Statistically, it's impossible. What if it was a miracle from God? Well, assuming that God is, is, is the head of the CIA, yeah, then, then, then yeah, then Biden won. But the bottom line is, is that scorecard, hammer, dominion, I mean, we, we, election guard, we know the software that was used. And not only that, the IP addresses that left the country. And then not only that, we have, this, we have video of showing the actual flipping when, when, when dominion was actually, instit- was actually live. During election night for Pennsylvania, the flipping of the 30,000 votes between going from Trump to Biden. And the video is on my on my website or not my website, my uh, my uh, YouTube channel. Right. So, I mean, so not we know that we know the IP addresses. We know the, the the cloud backbone that they use from Akamai. We know, you know, we have video of of election night of it working and it's important because i'm not just some guy on youtube stating this my dissertation was about using horizontal control and stochastic programming which is which is a a fancy way of saying of 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 um of doing predictive analysis that came out of out of ballistic missiles all right from uh uh north and Grumman, all right they use this type of technology to actually run Ballistic missiles to hit a target for adjustment and also to run drones. All right. It's called horizontal control and stochastic program. All right. I used it to do dynamic hedging of the financial markets for my dissertation. Now, Dominion and, and, and the, and the software that runs it to do the predictive analysis does a horizontal control and stochastic program. All right. And now what they do is to say, they say, okay, who is going to be the winner? It's already pre-selected, and what they have is, is that they're they're trying to do, they're, they're trying to pick up the, the, the target is to win, and then they're doing slight adjustments during the counts when they're coming in to be able to do the the, the, the minor flipping, and that's why it has to be within three to six percent because of the three three to six percent adjustment. The problem came in was that Trump was winning by such a large margin at the end of the night. Everyone. That was watching the election said that Trump was going to win. Even mainstream media was saying that Trump was going to win. And then at four o'clock in the morning, what was happening is, is a lot of nefarious things were going on, such as what was going on in Wayne County in Michigan. All right, but it wasn't just Wayne County; it was also in in Pennsylvania, in Philly, and, you know, and in other in other in other regions. And then the weird stuff that was going on in Arizona with the the the, the uh, Sharpie markers and stuff. But there were a lot of irregularities that, that were taking place and that there was, there's ample evidence. And then when you look at the statistics, you can see that the horizontal control and stochastic programming took place. But the thing is, is that Trump was winning at such a large margin that they had to stuff the ballot with these mail-in ballots, you know. But the thing is, is that this, there's no way that this guy, this guy won, you know. I, there's no way. I mean, like Trump said, he barely campaigned. He barely can put two sentences together, and then he supposedly 
ended up getting 80 million or more votes. And then that doesn't that doesn't explain it doesn't explain the, the, the statistical irregularities. It's not just one precinct, but it is a multitude of precincts that this happened in. And just like Trump said, it happened to happen in swing states, and these irregularities didn't go into the benefit of Republicans, but it only go to their benefit of Democrats. I mean, if it was a random situation, then you would you would think that there would be some Republican candidates that on the, on the on the ballot that would have benefited in a similar manner. But it didn't happen. They were all Democrat. And I mean, how do you, how do you right. how do they justify how do they justify? Uh, let's say uh, I'm, I'm giving just kind of like a bare bones number here. But yeah, go ahead. Let's say in, a, in an area there is uh, 800,000 uh, individuals that. Uh, are registered to vote, but yet you have nine nine hundred. Uh, let's say eight hundred thousand individ, individuals are registered to vote, but you have nine hundred thousand that actually voted. So how do you justify the hundred thousand and say that they should be counted as votes? I mean, and when you only statistically have you know maybe seventy percent of the of, of the of, of voter turnout, but you have in this case not a hundred percent of voter turnout. But you have 120% or 110% voter turnout. How can you have 110% voter turnout? That's impossible unless there's fraud. And that's not in just one municipality. But this, but the problem is, is that we don't have anyone willing to listen to this. Understood. And Paul, I, I think a lot of the things that you did mention here were brought up at, at the U.S. Supreme Court, which was thrown out. Um, what are your no, thoughts and opinions thrown, on that? What was thrown out was was my understanding. And I'm not a lawyer. That's okay. I don't Go want on. to be a lawyer. But the right. thing is, is that <laughs> my understanding of this is that they, the Supreme Court, threw out the the um, Texas claim that they had standing with other states because these other states rewrote their laws on how the election should be run, and that the the Supreme Court said that Texas does not have standing. Meaning that it, it, they don't, it, that Texas has, had, had, Texas feelings about how another state handles their election doesn't hold any water. That's what the Supreme Court said. So that's why Tr Trump got involved and said he has standing because he was the candidate. But the problem comes in is it's like this thing, this, literally what Sidney Powell is talking about with this election is, is that this was a government program that was used overseas but it was activated domestically to make sure that Trump was not elected. Now, you think that the, the, the deep state is going to let that see the light of day when you know that the chief justice is banging little girls on, you know, on Epstein's Island? Good God. I mean, but that's what's happening. That's what's happening. And then you got Barr that basically does his little investigation and says that, well, no voter, voter irregularities or voter fraud would have, you know, uh, was large enough to make a difference, but he didn't make that. There's a difference between voter fraud and election fraud. Yes, was there voter fraud? Yeah, there was some voter fraud. Was it enough to turn the election? Probably not. But the election fraud was huge, and that's what turned the election. But Barr didn't even bother to investigate. And why didn't they procure when everyone was saying, "Hey, you know, they were swiping the SIM cards." And that they were flipping votes with the Dominion machines. Why weren't they sequestered for forensic analysis before they 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 they, they wiped the machine clean? The, the the FBI should have got involved right away, but they didn't. 
Why? Well, Barr ha- happened to be one of those guys, and you know, in 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 the uh, in this in the um, you know in in government, that's part of the deep state. Were you surprised by this? Were you surprised by this, by the way, by Barr? Knowing that he was a was a crony for Bush, no. Was he was he going to be better than Sessions? Yes. Unfortunately, I thought that he would be better than Sessions. Unfortunately, you know, he he didn't do anything. He didn't he, you know, he he dropped the ball on the on the Hunter the the Hunter fiasco, you know, with the the CCP. He dropped the ball with the Clintons, and then he dropped the ball with this. Now, how is he compromised? I don't know exactly. He must be compromised somehow. But it, it, there's enough evidence to, to to suggest that that Roberts is compromised because he 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 you know what he does with his little wing wing. And you know that as a fact. He's on. He's he, he, Roberts is on the the um, the logs, the flight logs for Epstein. So know, what does I, that mean? You I, think he just he was on the flight logs because he was he was he was uh, you know r- raising money for Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> right. Well, that, that was more of a sarcastic sort of a statement. Anyone there. that was on a flight log with Epstein has to be can, it, it, it has to be in 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 the shadow of in the shadow of you know something something bad was going on on the island. And there needs to be further investigation. So that means Bill Gates as well. Since they were buddy mm-hmm. buddy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everybody. My goodness. Well, also I wanted to bring up another interesting little fact here, but um there there's so much to say. But before we even get further down the rabbit hole here, I, I did have that clip of the stimulus package. If you still wanted to hear that before we yeah. continue on here, let, let's play that really quickly. Throughout the summer, Democrats cruelly blocked COVID relief legislation in an effort to advance their extreme left-wing agenda and influence the election. Then, a few months ago, Congress started negotiations on a new package to get urgently needed help to the American people. It's taken forever. However, the bill they are now planning to send back to my desk is much different than anticipated. It really is a disgrace. For example, among the more than 5,000 pages in this bill, which nobody in Congress has read because of its length and complexity. It's called the COVID relief bill, but it has almost nothing to do with COVID. This bill contains $85.5 million for assistance to Cambodia, $134 million to Burma, $1.3 billion for Egypt and the Egyptian military, which will go out and buy almost exclusively Russian military equipment. $25 million for democracy and gender programs in Pakistan. $505 million to Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Panama. $40 million for the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., which is not even open for business. $1 billion for the Smithsonian and an additional $154 million for the National Gallery of Art. Likewise, these facilities are essentially not open. $7 million for reef fish management, $25 million to combat Asian carp, $2.5 million to count the number of amberjack fish in the Gulf of Mexico, a provision to promote the breeding of fish in federal hatcheries, $3 million in poultry production technology, $2 million to research 
the impact of down trees. $566 million for construction projects at the FBI. The bill also allows stimulus checks for the family members of illegal aliens, allowing them to get up to $1,800 each. This is far more than the Americans are given. Despite all of this wasteful spending and much more, the $900 billion package provides hardworking taxpayers with only $600 each in relief payments. And not enough money is given to small businesses, and in particular restaurants, whose owners have suffered so grievously they were only given a deduction for others to use in business their restaurant for two years. This two-year period must be withdrawn, which will allow the owners to obtain financing and get their restaurants back in condition. Congress can terminate it at a much later date, but two years is not acceptable. It's not enough. Congress found plenty of money for foreign countries, lobbyists, and special interests while sending the bare minimum to the American people who need it. It wasn't their fault. It was China's fault, not their fault. I am asking Congress to amend this bill and increase the ridiculously low $600 to $2,000 or $4,000 for a couple. I'm also asking Congress to immediately get rid of the wasteful and unnecessary items from this legislation. And there you have it. And you know what? I agree with the president. Oh, I totally agree with the president. I, I think you that's know, a thing- lot of money going to places where it really doesn't matter. The people should get much more than $600. That's um, lowballing the American citizens out there. Truly. See, unfortunately, this... COVID relief is not about COVID and it's not about relief. Not at all. This is a window right into what a Biden administration and a new Congress is going to start jamming through in very short order. And that is the erosion of the American worker, the erosion of, of the, um, the strength of the of the um, of American institutions and in this in this push for world integration. Because if you really look at where is the big money going, the big money is going to things that are not American. They're global agendas. They're UN agendas. They're not about the American worker. And the thing is, is that the American worker has been hurting so bad because of the shelter in place. And just in my little microcosm with, the, with you know, with the small businesses in, in New York City. But think about the endless number of businesses that are that are hurting, not just the restaurants, but, you know, even larger businesses, because people aren't, you know, feeling, um, you know, optimistic. So they're not buying cars. They're not buying homes. They're not doing renovations. You know, so, you know, Lowe's, you know, and, and Home Depot. Home Depot, you know, sales go down. Um, so there's lots of big and small businesses that are hurting through this crisis. But who hurts the most is the American worker. That's right. And so when you when you make the statement, you know, in in legislation that you're willing to give more to a a, a non citizen than a citizen, that's one just another proof positive that they don't care about your vote. And when you start hearing that two hundred million dollars goes to another country, yeah, 
then especially for gender, you know, lots of money going to Israel as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in this crisis, in this crisis, the funding that we, we don't even have the money to even pay for. So we have to print it through the Federal Reserve. Where is that money? You know, yeah. Where, where's that yeah, money? So they, where, where is it being printed? That's what I want to know. Well, what, what happens is, is they, they issue bonds. They issue bonds and then, then the, bond hold, the, the, the bondholders will, you know, will, buy, will buy the bonds. And then that money will go to the Treasury and the, the Treasury will be able to, um, you know, afford the, 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 the programs that are, in, that are being signed in, into law by Congress. The problem is, is that each one of those bonds is a coupon payment. And so you have to pay interest on it. So that's how it's really working. It's the, it's the, the quote, the market that has the appetite for American bonds and therefore they can pay for these programs. But the problem is, is you can't keep on doing this. We can, none of these majority of the, quote, the stimulus package is non GDP generated. And that is a problem. When you start built, when you have a hole, all right, and, you know, economically, and you're trying to use fiscal policy to, to try to get out of that hole, you have to put your money into things that are GDP generating. But sending money overseas is not GDP generating for us. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help anybody. But it gives us the de- it gives us the debt. So what they're basically doing is they're slowly killing off the golden goose, and that is the the, the, the you know our economic system of camp you know of capitalism. They're they're literally slowly killing it off and to to, to move towards this great reset that they've been pushing the last month or month and a half. And to do it, they have to one weaken the United States militarily, you know, lose hegemonic power, you know, in the Pacific, and and then weaken us with so much debt that we actually start to cave in and then have to you know be more integrated into a, into a world order. The only thing that keeps what is what is the 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 the, the road stop for world integration is capitalism. Is is the is that individuality, the, the American spirit. But if they break both of those, capitalism and the American spirit, then there's nothing stopping them. And because of the great alignment that's taking place celestially, you know, with Jupiter and, and Saturn, the great alignment is their way of trying to tap into a into um, energy, cosmic energy, to push their great reset. And that's why there's such a big push for this. There's th- these people that are these diabolical individuals that are trying to destroy this country. They believe in this celestial alignment and this in the and the power it gives them. Did you get a chance now, to see is that? Is it true buddy? or not? Did you? I didn't have you didn't see, you didn't see that? No. Yeah, you know, I didn't see it. I didn't uh. see it. But the thing is, is that you know, some people believe that it gives you you know some you know some sort of power. That's you know, right. You know, if you're a negative individual, then you'll, you know, get the, you know, power from the dark side. And if you're, you're a positive individual, you get power from the positive side. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, is it true or not? I don't know. No, I, I, people, I do know this. I do yeah. know this. I, I believe in individuality. And I believe in, you know, I, I believe in capitalism. I believe in the idea of hard work and self-determination. And I don't think any of those things that I believe in are, are in line with the Great Reset. Right. And of course, there are some people that they dictate their whole lives around that charts and such. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ouija boards and everything. Yeah. 
uh, is it true or not? I don't know. I mean, at times, sometimes, you know, luck seems to be on my side and sometimes luck isn't on my side. Is it because of some astral, astrological alignment? I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 if you're a man of science, you know, you know, like a Carl Sagan type, then, you know, then astrological alignments don't really matter. Um, but, you know, I, I, some weird things have happened with people in my circle or, or even for me that seems though maybe astrological alignments do have a, pl- a, a place in what happens to us, you know, individually and maybe even in societies, the, the cycle of societies, the rise and fall of civilizations. So maybe, maybe it is. I mean, I'm not a John Hogue, and, you know, and I'm not, you know, Nostradamus or anything like that. I'm just, you know, uh, you know, you know, a little guy that's, you know, that you know, has a certain level of knowledge. But I, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's interesting. There does seem to be some metaphysical aspect to the Great Alignment. But more important is that the people that are instituting these policies of the Great Reset and, and Agenda 21, um, they believe it. They believe in the the astrological alignment. You're right. And it's very real to them. And that, and, and, right. And therefore, that's why it's important. Indeed. Is it really important? I mean, is it really the mechanism of things? I don't think so. But maybe it is. But what's more important is, is that they believe it. And therefore, when they they have the upper hand, which they have right now, you know, they believe that the, the, the stars are aligned in, in such a way to weaken individuality and start integrating into this, you know, global hive that Schwab is, is, is you know, is projecting. And I personally believe that it's antithetical to everything that the founding fathers of their country wanted. You know, think about it. Think about when he says you're not going to know you're not going to own anything and you're going to like it. Well, h- how do you have a business? How do you become a business owner? How do you how do you gain wealth? How do you how do you have a legacy to pass on to your children? Does that mean that Zuckerberg is no longer going to have a mansion and he's just going to give that up because he's not allowed to own anything? Of course not. The, po- the people that have the, the money and the wealth are going to be able to collect more money and wealth. And that's what they're doing right now. Yeah, that's what the stimulus package is. It's just going back to the wealthy. Yeah, exactly. Hooray. How exciting. But by the way, Peter says, um, by the way, um, Paul, Peter in the chat room is saying, uh, Michael Deacon, blah, blah, blah. Can you see Tulsi Gabbard? She just put out a tweet about it. I, I think she was, he's talking about the stimulus package. Um, I think yeah, that's I saw it. I saw it. She's like out in the woods or something and, and she has highlights in her hair, and, you know, and she's talking about the, you know, the, the corruption of the stimulus plan. I just found it. This is what she said. Hey, everybody. I just got back from having voted on the House floor on this massive spending bill. I voted against it and I wanted to tell you why. First of all, this bill was over 5,500 pages long. We received the text of this bill at approximately 2.30 this afternoon, and we're told we'd have to go and vote on it just a few hours later. There is no way that anybody in Congress had the opportunity or the time to go through and read this bill to know exactly what was in it. I've been here long enough to see how provisions are snuck into these bills 
in the, literally in the dark of night without any announcement, without telling anyone what is in it, and then rushed through in the manner that we have just seen tonight. This is the height of irresponsibility, and it is absolutely no way for the people's representatives to be able to represent the interests of the American people. The second thing is the central part of this bill was supposed to be about providing direct COVID relief to the American people who are struggling and who need help the most. This bill dished out hundreds of billions of dollars going towards special interests, going towards the military industrial complex, going towards foreign countries. Meanwhile, saying, here's what's left for you. You get 600 bucks. I'll tell you in Hawaii, that in most cases won't even cover 25% of your rent. It is an insult and a slap in the face to every single American in this country who is struggling because of this, this COVID pandemic, who is concerned about not being able to pay the rent, about eviction, about whether you'll have enough to buy groceries or medicine for yourself or your loved ones. This bill is a representation of the screwed up priorities of Washington. It should be fighting for you and making sure that you, the American people, come first. And that was uh, Miss Gabbard there, and she is absolutely, absolutely correct on her assessment there. Well, I, I like to, I agree with her, but she was a little just disingenuous at the very beginning because these bills have, they go through different edits and they have access to those edits. So as it's being compiled, she could have read the bulk of the, of the bill. And this has been take, this has been going on for days. Now there are hidden provisions in it. You know, that are snuck in, you know, late at night and they, you know, and then they're, you know, to vote on it. Right. So is she saying that she only reads what is on the floor and not as it's being, as it's being edited? Because if that's the case, then that means where's her voice during the edit? So she's being disingenuous at the very beginning of what she, what she's saying. All right. But to the main point of what she's saying is true. This is that they're sneaking in stuff and it's not COVID relief. This is, has nothing to do with COVID, and it is, there's no relief for the American, the American, um, the average American. It's pretty outrageous. Yeah, it is. But this goes back to what I was saying earlier. You have a government not of the people, by the people. And the only thing to stop it is to actually tear it down. They're literally, Michael, what they are literally going to do is destroy this country. They're going to destroy the economic prowess of it, and they're going to destroy our civil liberties, and they're going to weaken us. And it's my, my, my grandmother, unfortunately she passed away when I was 12, but I remember when she was talking about the Holocaust. And I'm telling you, she said, you, you cannot think that you can run away from this problem. That eventually what will happen is, is they'll ghettoize you. Now in her day, it was the Warsaw ghetto. Or they. You know, but in our day, it's, it's the ghettoing of us in our homes. It's the ghettoing of us where we don't have uh, the ability for free movement or the, the, the ability to, um, you know, to, um, to have upward mobility in society. And this is a, another level of ghettoing of, of our lives. And the moment that they start to curtail our first, our, our first and second amendment, that, and it's already happened. I mean, we, we opened up on the, on this show about how I was curtailed by AMA. 
That's right. And how I was curtailed by YouTube when I was advertising a web conference from from Mikevitz for Treycat Night. That's a First Amendment issue that I should be able to to to. to and it, there was nothing wrong with what I was saying. They slapped me with a strike saying that it was medical disinformation. I wasn't stating anything. All I was saying is, is that this is the advertising video and this is what Mikovitz is, you know, this is Mikovitz and the other, the other panelists. Do you think that, 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 that conversation in the First Amendment is what should prevail? But that's not what's happening on YouTube. So our First Amendment rights, in my opinion, this is a public square that we're on, not a private network. And not only that, you know, Google was started by DARPA. It was our taxpayers that started Google. But so, you know, we, we, we have to start realizing that we're being ghettoized and that we have to, if they weaken us, just like they weaken the Jews in Warsaw, you won't be able to fight. The point to fight is now to start to galvanize and to do the first part of the great civil war. And that is being very vocal with our civil disobedience and protesting every day all across the country and demanding accountability at so many different levels. Accountability of Fauci and, and the gain of function that he, he, he funded, the accountability of the CIA, the accountability of the individuals that orchestrated this fiasco with the election, the accountability of the never-ending war in the Middle East, the accountability of the individuals that eroded our civil liberties through the Patriot Act and the Bio-Patriot Act. It wouldn't surprise me that this 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 legislation, you know, everyone's talking about how much money, you know, maybe Israel's getting or or Cambodia is getting. I'm on the bet in, in between the lines there's something about the Bio-Patriot Act in there, some element of it, either decaching or military, you know, increase, uh, 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 funding for, for the police, you know, um, you know, to militarize them or tracking mechanisms, you know, for, for people that have COVID-19, something that is an element of the biopatriot. And the, the headline news is, well, it's how much Cambodia is getting and the $600 that an individual in the United States would get. But that's not really the, that's not really the focus. The focus is really that, what is that one liner? That, that one or two liners that are the Biopatriot Act that's buried in there. I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't digested it. Maybe individuals that are listening, you know, here or, you know, on, or when I do another broadcast, you know, maybe they can actually dive in and, 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 and see, are there any elements of the Biopatriot Act in this, in this COVID-19 relief package? I did state that it's not going to be wrapped up in a bow, that it's going to be trickled in through stimulus packages. It wouldn't surprise me that that digital wallets or some sort of decaching is, is tied into this bill. And that's where our focus needs to be on, because this is this is a larger play is going on here. And that is the erosion of our civil liberties. Right. And Paul, we are coming to a close very soon here. And very early on, before we even started doing the show here, there was someone by the, by the name of Halo Thermo, who I believe is one of your listeners, Paul, who said, Evening, guys. Question, please. Do you not see the timing of the UK COVID variant beyond circumstantial? A new strain is discovered just a few days after vaccine is rolled out. But yes, mm-hmm. the timing of this is interesting, but I have to, um, I have to speculate here, Paul. I, I know that there is this new strain of COVID out there that was discovered in the UK. I have a strange feeling that 
this strain is already in America. I think it is. I think it I is too. It's just, I don't think it's just in the UK. I think it's everywhere um, already. Yeah. Well, how, how spread it is. I don't know. Um, when it came over here, I don't know. I mean, the article on CNN saying maybe September, um, maybe November, who knows? It's um, here. I am worried because I think it's evidence that there is this pinballing effect that it's going to start. See, here's the problem that most people, everyone is always focused on like the headline. It's like, will it increase deaths? That is not the issue. You know, if it actually increased deaths, that's actually a good thing. People would say, what? That sounds crazy, Paul. No, it's a good thing because if more deaths happened, it actually would, it would kill off the virus. It's more infectious, but not the fatality rate's not high. Uh, Still, it's, it's very much the same. Exactly. Like Ebola is very deadly, but it's not infectious. I mean, it's, well, it is infectious, but I mean, it's, it dies out. It burns out quickly because of the death rate so high. This, the death rate is low, but it, it's infectious. Right, right. And that is, that is concerning. So, so when they say, oh, the death rate's uh, the same or, you know, or, you know, or it's, it's not increased at all. Um, well, that's a headline, but when you have it more, in, more virulent, then what will happen is, is that you'll have more viral load in the society, at the societal level. More people will be infected. And when you have more little incubators ha- having this virus, then you have a much higher probability of gain of function. So my worry of the, the D614G mutation that I mentioned about you know a few months ago, right. that even though it wasn't more deadly, it created more spike proteins, and therefore you had more particles, viral particles that could stay in the body longer, infect other bodies, and gain the other functions to other receptors, which is what I call the pinballing, going from one receptor to another after another after another. And the Moderna vaccine, assuming it is producing an antibody against the spike protein, right. That is assuming that it is with a high affinity to the ACE2 receptor. But when it starts to lose affinity to the ACE2 receptor and gain affinity to CD147 or other receptors, then the, then your antibody for the messenger RNA that they presented to your, through the vaccine no longer works because the topology of the spike protein has changed. Yeah, which is, can change also. Yeah, that, that the immune system can attach to that are that are on you know on the um, the envelope. It's not just the spike protein, but the thing is, is that even if you fall in the camp that you trust the messenger RNA platform, I don't because there's not enough long term testing. But if you believe that it is a a a a vaccine that will work, if you have a society getting more and more variants, eventually you're going to get the pinballing happening and the vaccine will no longer work and you will need another vaccine. Yeah, by the way, um, and another vaccine. Yeah, Paul, we we talked about that, by the way, early on about the uh, virus mutating and that's what viruses do. They mutate, which is why everyone is required to take that annual flu shot. And just like I told you, that's what's going to happen with COVID. There's going to be an annual shot because viruses mutate. That's what they do. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, pardon me for my ignorance, but we've never injected anyone with RNA directly into human cells before, have we? 
not a, no, not anything that has been approved by FDA. Okay, because I was just thinking uh, this is know, the first time. Yeah, I was just thinking. I don't remember. That's been, I've never and it's through emergency action that they are allowed to do it. Right. I, holy shit! I was just thinking. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that before. Well, you know, here's here's you know, and I I don't know how much time that you can allot for me on this, but you know, I wanted to bring this up to the to the audience. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You know, I wanted to describe. Because I've been diving into the early research of Moderna and what the company's all about and what is the main components of the vaccine. So there isn't the LPN or the lipid nanoparticle, and that is made up of four different lipids, all right, or really three lipids and cholesterol, all right? So, and through their research, they were able to come up with the recipe, the right ratio to be able to package a messenger RNA. And it started with SI RNAs, which are s- small interfering RNAs that, that silence messenger RNAs in the cytoplasm. And that had a, a certain recipe, but that was a problem because they were small it, 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 and it didn't have a, a lot of therapeutic use. So they continued the research and what they came up with is a recipe where you have uh, a lipid that is charged. It's um, it, it, it's an ion, all right, and that helps with associating the nanoparticle to plasma protein so it can travel in the bloodstream, all right, and then be able to be integrated in the endosome. Then you have, uh, you know, regular phospholipids, uh, um, and then you have cholesterol that basically um, gives it structure, okay, stabilizes it. And then there's something called PEG, all right, lipids. And that helps to uh, shield the surface. Now, the pegs get, um, through the research, become um, um, more specialized. And they, be, they, they, they end up developing polymers attached to the, the peg molecule, all right, or the lipid. So they had this recipe to make the, the, the lipid nanoparticle. Now, it, there's, there's nothing other than these four constituents these that I just mentioned, all right? Then they put in the messenger RNA. Now, how the messenger RNA is made is not in vivo. It's in vitro. So what that basically means is that they are not making messenger RNA inside some sort of living cell, either bacteria or, or human cell, okay? What they do is they take T7 and... S6 um, polymerase, and they make a DNA template, all right? And they have it in a test tube. They have the T7 polymerase, and they put in nucleotides, and they are making the messenger RNA in a test tube through the T7 polymerase off the DNA template. The DNA template is um, the template to make the RNA because they know what they need to make based on what was sequenced for the S protein. That's, that's data banked at NIH. Okay. So they know what, what to, what to create. Okay. Now what happens is, is and they fill, once they make it, when this, when this process happens, it could be short messenger RNA, small messenger RNA, or slightly modified or a little bit longer. So they have to filter it through something called high-performance li- li- uh, liquid chromatography. And then they do a quality control using um, um, gels, 
to, to they shoot a uh, uh, electric charge through a gel and then they, they can do that's the quality control all right now what happened was that they started realizing in the in the research that the messenger RNA even with the lipid nanoparticle being integrated with the outer membrane of a cell they noticed that the messenger RNA could be recognized by the immune system as foreign foreign messenger RNA, not endogenous messenger RNA. So they had to do all this research to figure out how to fly under the radar of, of, the, of the immune system. Well, part of that immune system that they have to fly under is called RIG-1 and MDA-5. And another part is IFIT, which is interferon-induced uh, proteins with the tetra-trigopeptide repeat. So, so I'll just short I'll, I'll just shorten it to IFIT, all right. And then there is uh, toll-like receptors three, seven, and eight. Well, IFIT was circumvented by capping the messenger RNA protein with a with a um, a uh, ester bond instead of a hydroxy bond. Okay, so CAP0 is with the hydroxy bond, CAP1 is with the ester bond. They found with CAP1 that they were able to fly under the radar of the IFIT. Then um, to get around the RIG-1 and MDA5, they had to actually um, they had to um, use the high-performance liquid, uh, liquid chromatography to make sure that they had the right length. All right. And then the toll-like receptor, and this is the patent that Moderna has, they actually modify uracil. Um, it's called uridine, but um, they modify it um, in such a way where certain, when it's, when a messenger RNA has like U, C, G, and A instead of the T. So U is modified. The uracil is modified. So what happens is, is that 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 messenger RNA strand is actually saying, I am not foreign. Please let me make my protein. And it, it flies under the radar of the TLR um, surveillance system, the toll-like receptor surveillance system. So when that, when that happens, um, they were able to actually transcribe the protein in the cell. So now where the weakness of this process is, if the liquid chromatography isn't filtering the right length, then you may have a problem in your cell. It's gone under the radar, right? And it may create a protein that it, it, they didn't want. In addition, you could have the right length, but the wrong code. By the way, Paul, can you get cancer maybe five, 10 years from this? Well, nobody knows. If anyone says yes, there's no data to state that. And if anyone says no, there's no data to state it. Here's the problem. Go ahead. The messenger RNA platform, if there's no one that's that's doing nefarious things to your body that's making this, the messenger RNA platform is actually a very good therapeutic platform, assuming that you have the right manufacturing protocols in place for a, a, a pure therapeutic. Again, they were designing this as a therapeutic, not as a vaccine, okay? But the thing is, if the process is not pure, the manufacturing is not flawed, or, or let's say the manufacturing is flawed, then you may be in, in putting in a messenger RNA that 
is doing something that you didn't want to happen. And therefore, it's, it could create a protein that either turns on or turns off a pathway that leads to oncogenesis. So to answer your question, is it theoretically possible? Yes, it is theoretically possible to cause cancer. Sure. I mean, a short trial could have um, maybe kind of identified that to make sure there's no immediate toxicity, but um, there's no um, right sort of answer right now. Well, here's a lot of a lot of things. It's that you know, when you, there, there was only fifteen thousand. The sample size was thirty thousand for Moderna. Fifteen thousand placebo. Fifteen thousand that were in the treated group, the treated leg. All right, in the placebo leg, one hundred eighty-five individuals contracted COVID nineteen. In the treated leg, with the vaccine, eleven contracted out of fifteen thousand. Okay, so but they. That's only 15,000, and it's a lot. My point is, is that it's a lot easier to control manufacturing processes for 15,000 lot than, let's say, millions produced. That's right. And so the quality of the substance that is being provided to the masses may not be the same high quality standards as the the clinical trial. And I use may not. All right. Not only that. In manufacturing processes, in the very early stage, when you get everything fine-tuned, it stays within tolerance of, of the manufacturing process. But over time, things will start to drift. So my point is, is that it may not be this wave of vaccines. It may be the second or third wave of vaccines with, with this, where we start seeing the manufacturing problems. See, the... the, the what was learned? What was learned from Mikovits was that the way vaccines are made and purified are flawed. Okay. Now she was focused on in vivo creation, either attenuated viruses or growing proteins within cells and, and purifying it. And, and because you can't purify it completely, you might sneak in something. All right. This process is more sterile because it's in a test tube. But it doesn't mean that the processes are 100% perfect. And because of that, I'm concerned. But even if it was 100% perfect, they could guarantee through liquid chromatography that, that you were getting the right length. They can't guarantee you that you're getting the right sequence. Mm. And there's the problem. Because you could actually have, during the manufacturing process, a slight flip of, 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 you know, a, a, uh, a place of a, a nucleotide. Now, if it's only single, you know, if it's only a SNP, single nucleotide polymorphism, then it's probably not going to do much because it's probably going to code for the same, the same amino acid. But if it's not SNP and it's, and it's actually changing the amino acid for the, for the, for the, um, for the protein, in this case, making a spike protein, let's say that modification changes the amino acid in such a way that now the antibody that is produced is actually self and, and, and that antibody is self and therefore now attacks our own tissue. And you, now you have an autoimmune disorder. So the point I'm making here is, is that it's through the power of numbers where we're actually going to start seeing these 
manufacturing anomalies that could trickle down and cause. I think there's higher probability of vaccine injury through autoimmune problems mm. than oncogenesis. Yeah. That's assuming that they're not doing anything nefarious. But with everything else, when you look at the mosaic, geopolitically, you know, what, what's going on with our, our, our constitutional rights and everything that's going on, you can sneak in CRISPR. CRISPR, this is how you get CRISPR in the cell. This is how you can do genetic engineering in the cell. But it can't be just through one nanoparticle. It has to be a constellation of nanoparticles within that solution. And so there's only going to be yeah. a few cells that actually get all the constituents that could be able to create CRISPR. But in theory, this is how you get CRISPR in the cell. And Paul, there was someone by the name of Jaded Optimist in the chat room who was asking, why does the vax need to be stored at 20 below zero? Well, the reason being is that the messenger RNA, now this is a good point, between Pfizer and uh, Pfizer has the, um, the bio-intech uh, version of the messenger RNA. Um, their nanoparticle doesn't have um, the same recipe as Moderna. Pfizer needs it at minus 70. Moderna's, Moderna's vaccine is around uh, minus 20. Now, the reason being is, is that the messenger RNA is very unstable. It could degrade very easily. That's another problem. With a degraded messenger RNA, what does that mean in terms of, of one, the efficacy of the vaccine? But not only that, is there some negative, negative externality, some harm that the vaccine could do because the messenger RNA is degrading? But you have to have it at such a, a, um, a low temperature to stabilize the messenger RNA. Now, the differences in temperature for the BioNTech versus the Moderna is due to the LMP and the the recipe for that. It's probably um, there's probably a higher ratio of cholesterol yeah. in in the the LMP for the Moderna vaccine versus the BioNTech one, and that will help sta stabilize the 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 LMP. But I don't think it's just the I don't think it's just the cholesterol. I also think that PEG they use they. They're using something called tar. It's a it's a conjugated peg, and tar is is a is a polymer. And I think this and all what's also interesting is tar is is the lipid is one of the lipids within the LMP targets the liver and the spleen. So um so they can they can the point is is they can fine tune to be able to tar target certain organs and to be able to stabilize the the lipid nanoparticle to to basically um, protect the messenger RNA. The messenger RNA, if it was just put into the bloodstream, would degrade. It would be all broken apart. And not only that, it wouldn't be transported. That's why it has to be ionized. The, the one of the lipids, some of the lipids need to be ionized so it can attach to a uh, transporting protein in in the bloodstream to be able to get to a targeted tissue. So um, so that's the reason is the messenger RNA can break down so easily at just room temperature. So what if it's made completely perfect, it's transported completely perfect, and someone takes it out out of, you know, out of the, the case and something happens at the hospital um, or the clinic and the temperatures aren't, aren't stabilized. Yeah. 
Therefore, now you have vaccines that are are compromised. That are corrupted. Yeah, we don't know what it means, though. you know, how it's corrupted. Yeah. You know, does it mean that, you know, it's it just completely ineffective? Or does it mean that it actually it, it actually causes some sort of negative thing happening? We don't know. Um, now, um, the Moderna vaccine, the, from what I've read, the Moderna vaccine is more stable than the BioNTech vaccine because of what they're doing, what they're doing with the lipid nanoparticle and their patent for the modified uridine. There's a lot going on behind closed doors, I can imagine. And uh, I just wanted to emphasize the point that you were, you were right. There never has been an approved drug that used mRNA in humans. Zero. So this is um pretty interesting, pretty tricky. Um, if you are probably below the age of 50, you probably shouldn't take this. Well, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if I, you know, with being in medical school, you know, if you, you might have to take it. This you shit know, looks like healthcare. You know, this shit is, is bad. Is, yeah. This shit is just bad news all around. I know. I know. But Good I mean, God. I don't know. I mean, there, a lot of people are going to have to take it now. Yeah. Sadly. What I am doing, what I am doing, if, when I have to take it, all right, what I'm doing is, is I'm five days before, all right, um, doing a cleanse. And that's with oxy powder. That's with, with um, um, iodine supplementation. That's with C60. And that's with a lot of turmeric. And then you have the, tw- then you have the 28 day, then you're, then, you know, that's for five days and you, you get the first shot Then 21 days later, you get the second shot. So, um, and then during that whole, during whole process, do the same thing every day. And then you get the second shot. And then five days after that, then continue on that regimen and then stop with the, the protocol. And that the whole idea is, is to try to reduce the inflammation. So it reduces the chances of a, a, um, a autoimmune problem because mm. it's usually when you have the when higher inflammation yeah where you, you it causes the autoimmune so the idea is, is to try to bring it's the best you can do i mean there's no magic thing here but the best that you can do is just bring down there that that inflammation in the body the lowest that it can be when you're taking this vaccine and in hopes that you don't have either antibody you know, dependent enhancement or, you know, an autoimmune disorder. But it's, it's sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish we didn't have to do it. But sure. I mean, after what I'm studying here, you know, some people were saying the nanoparticle was going to have some sort of an electric, you know, electric charge yeah. in your brain and you're going to be yeah. part of the Borg and all this crap. I mean, that's totally untrue. I don't believe that. You know, but, you know, it, the science is actually, it's it, how they flew under the radar to get the messenger RNA to be able to create proteins in the cytoplasm is pretty ingenious. It's, it's, I mean, it, I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed in how they did it, but I mean, it took years to get there. You know, when you read through the literature and all that, the problem is, is that that's assuming that science is all really white. And yeah. I know it's not all really white. And that's the problem is, is that this is the perfect Trojan horse yes. to be able to get something in that is negative to the body. And so the, that's why I don't trust it. I don't trust the people making the damn thing. I don't blame you for, on, uh, for that at all. And by the way, Jaded Optimist once again says, we are their lab rats. And I agree, we are their guinea pigs, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. 
And literally what they're going to do is just they're going to create them, you know, it's very possible they create a chimera. You know, we, we become a chimera or something. Well, I don't I know why. Not. I mean, I was having some talks with some people that are, you know, more, you know, more into the whole um, alien, you know, alien thing. You know, it makes you wonder, you know, similar to like X-Files, you know, remember the oil eye That's episodes? Right. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe. I'm not saying this is it, but I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of like throwing it out there. Maybe in some strange way, the whole vaccine program is to slowly create a chimera so we can actually interface or live with beings that are already here. Really? Like, for example, you know, like if they're from another planet, I'm not saying I believe this. I'm just saying it's a possibility. What, <laughs> what if, if they are here, right? Let's say they're frozen in the Antarctic, all right? You know, chances are they cannot coexist with them biologically because of pathogens. They are immune to certain things. We are immune to certain things. We could give them, we could give them something that kills them. And they could give us something that kills us. What if the whole vaccine program is actually to, to merge us together so we can coexist? That's something similar to the theme of X-Files. This is that the humans were starting to turn into aliens. But I don't know. I mean, I don't believe it. But I mean, it's it's makes you wonder that that's you know, fun. Maybe there's some some sort of design right. chimera that's taking. Well, know, it is fun to speculate. Yeah, this as a chimera for yeah. some reason. Well, it is fun to speculate, no doubt. And the Paul, I mean, we are coming to a close here, which I regret because I've been having such a fun time talking to you. But yes, yeah, sadly, we are at a close. But I I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program yet again. It was a great time. And by the way, Paul, is there anything else you feel like we should have mentioned before I let you go? Is there anything else uh, you think we should have mentioned? Well, I mean, I I, I am diving into the, the, the research of Moderna um, and what's published. And now I've just done the, 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 base, the base science. And then there's several published articles that are dealing with vaccines that I'm going to dive into. So people, please go to the to my channels. It's Paul Cottrell on YouTube. Um, Dr. Paul Cottrell also on YouTube is the backup channel and Dr. Paul Cottrell on Brighton. And, you know, please watch those because I'm trying to educate people on what the science is of the vaccine. Because by understanding the science, then we see the holes of the potential, the potentiality of either a manufacturing issue or how people can sneak something in and hurt you. And, and just having not having the base science or base basic understanding of how they made it, then we're doing a disservice to ourselves and to our fellow you know fellow human beings. Because yes, our gut feeling is right, but we don't know why unless we understand the process of how they make it. Right. Like like I just said, the liquid chromatography, the high performance liquid chromatography, is a pressure point for failure for the making of the messenger RNA, if it's not filtered correctly. Another pressure point is, is how the T7 polymerase makes the messenger RNA. If it's, if it's not coded correctly, it may be giving you a different amino acid. If it's in a, an area that's really important and it's a different amino acid, then you might be getting an autoimmune disorder. So, it, you know, this is important to inform the public. It's, it's like, please listen to some of these 
the, the series of science videos that I'm going to be bringing out about Moderna so you understand where the pressure points are. I'm not saying that that is happening. I'm just saying that th these are the potential, these are the potential failures. And when there is a potential failure point, then when you make 330 million vaccines, well, most likely some of them are going to fall in that category. That's right. And that's why it's so important for, for people that are listening, you know, to you and I throughout almost a year now, uh, you know, that this is another tool in our toolbox is to say, hey, you know, this vaccine may be safe. It may not be because of this, this and this. Instead of just saying, I don't trust the vaccine. If we had some reason to say, I don't I don't trust the liquid chromatography process or I don't trust the, the polymerase T7 process. Saying it that way is, 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 is more credible. That's right. I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, once again, Paul, I feel like I could talk to you for another hour here, but um, I think we'll have to bring you back on in 2021, right in the beginning of the year. Okay. Yeah, anytime. We'll have to bring you no back problem. on here and we'll continue right where we left off. But once again, I do want to thank you, Paul. That was tremendous. We've learned a lot and I feel like we've been pretty accurate with almost everything we've been talking about. Uh, very early on, everything that we talked about did happen or is happening right now. Mm -hmm. Pretty wild. Well, the, you know, the, the, the next big thing to watch is the vaccine injury that's going to start pick, you know, popping up. That's right. You know, some of it may be benign, you know, allergies that will go away. The other things that may not be benign, you know, like lupus, you know, and, and Epstein-Barr type syndromes and stuff like that. That's, you know, that's where I'm, my eye is right now. Very nice. Well, once again, Paul, always a, a honor and pleasure. We will talk again very soon, my friend. Okay. Thank you very much for having me. All right, brother. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Stay safe. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was Dr. Paul Cottrell. And of course, now we have Mr. Perry Stone, who I believe is very angry. Why I believe that the kingdom of darkness has hated President Trump the way that it has because uh, uh, here and here's what I want to say because of the fact and I, I look I know prophecy like I know the back of my hand I've been preaching 45 almost 46 years and have uh, over 170,000 hours of Bible study now I'm not bragging but I'm going to make a point he's not bragging I know prophecy and I know when prophecy is accelerating and President Trump with, I don't think he did it purposely. I don't think anyone came to him and said, Hey, you're the prophetic president. You got to fulfill this. He literally did things that helped accelerate the end time prophecy. Now, why is that important to understand? Because it says that Satan comes down with great wrath, knowing that he has but a short time. And I honestly believe the way things were moving prophetically as Trump was dealing with the Middle East and Israel was so significant prophetically. That the enemy just said, we've got to get this guy out to slow down the prophetic acceleration. Oh, my. Yes, that was Perry Stone. Not as um, as interesting as one Paula White, though. When I walk on White House grounds, God walks on White House grounds. I had every right and authority to declare the White House as holy ground because I was standing there. And where I stand is holy. To say no to President Trump would be saying no to God. 
and therefore, and I won't do that. We are in a spiritual war right now. Let every demonic network that has aligned itself against the purpose, against the calling of President Trump, let it be broken. Let it be torn down in the name of Jesus. You want me to tell you what my thoughts are? The thoughts of the King of Kings, the thoughts of the Lord of Lords. I'm downloading heaven. I kind of know I'm a little bit cute, all right? I am Paula, who is pretty. Well, maybe I'm not going to be pretty when I'm 90 years old. Here's this former messed up Mississippi girl lived in a trailer that they called trailer trash. Daddy committed suicide, got pregnant out of wedlock, been married, been divorced, not just once, you know, twice. People go, well, how'd you become the spiritual advisor of the president? We'll get to that later. It's all in there. Michael Jackson, Kid Rock, the president, it's all in there, all right? Thank you, Paula. What a great job you do, the evangelicals. I hear we're more popular than ever with the evangelicals. You're the only one that she'll tell the truth. More popular than the Beatles. Once again, I do want to thank all of you out there for hanging out with us here tonight. And uh, for those that like tonight's show, definitely hit subscribe or take us on the road with you. You can find this program on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, and there's a few others. There's a few others that escape me at this moment. But yes, all you have to do is search the Michael Deacon program and you will find it. Of course, if you want bonus content that you won't find on the podcast or on YouTube, please go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And yes, that is where you'll find more gold. Once again, I do want to thank all of you out there for being a part of the program. And I do want to thank Mr. Paul Cottrell for also being a part of the program. He's been here many, many times. We respect Paul very much. And I respect all of you out there tremendously. International listeners out there. I see you too. Canada, Germany, the UK, Australia. And of course, let's not forget our friends in Norway and Brazil. It's been a top talent show yet again. What does the future have in store for all of us? I have no clue. But as you know, it's 100 seconds to midnight yet again on the doomsday clock. Who really knows what that means? There's nothing more frightening than reality. I love saying that, as you know. And with that said, boys and girls, it's been a very fun night. Yes, thank you, Jaded Optimist, for the sub there. I was going to thank other people, but you know what? We have run out of time. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, mahalo. Mahalo.